Welcome to Conversations with a Calvinist. This podcast is dedicated to helping believers better understand Scripture, defend truth, and engage culture. Get your Bible ready and prepare to engage today's topic. Here's your host, Pastor Keith Foskey. Welcome back to Conversations with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I am a Calvinist. Today, I am joined by a man who needs no introduction. He has been on this show almost as many times as I have. Richard Roden, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, brother. It's good to be back. Didn't even have a goofy, somewhat serious conversation for a while. Yeah, I'm looking forward to fun. I think you and I always have a blast. And uh, listener, if you don't know Richard, Richard is a deacon in his church. He is also a Sunday school teacher. He's also one of my best friends. We have been friends since high school. I love him so much. I am literally sleeping in his house. Well, not really anymore. I bought his house and now I am in the house that used to be his. In fact, my studio is in the room that used to be his bedroom. And if you'll notice the background that I'm having today, uh, or that I, that that was bad English. Let me start again. The background that I have today represents the conversation topic that we're going to talk about because we're going to talk about Christianity and patriotism. But before I do that, I have to mention something about Richard because on last week's program, we had a really serious conversation uh, with John Sweat about the subject of baptism. And yet in that serious conversation, I wore this hat. And Richard decided to go on Facebook and say he could not take me seriously in this hat. So what I have decided is this hat will now become a staple in the program because I would hate it if anyone took me too seriously. <laughs> you know, you just can't make some jokes sometimes because that's right. it goes back to bite you. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. So I'm thankful that you're here, Richard. I always look forward to our conversations. And today we're talking about something, even though we're going to have some fun, it is a serious conversation. It's the conversation of patriotism and the faith. And what's brought up this conversation is this Monday coming up is Columbus Day, the day that we celebrate Christopher Columbus. Well, it's the day some people celebrate Christopher Columbus, and some people have decided that celebrating Christopher Columbus is no longer politically correct, so now they have chosen instead to celebrate other other days on the same day. Some people celebrate what's called Indigenous People's Day. Uh, I still call it Columbus Day. Do you still call it Columbus Day? Yes. Um, (laughs) I don't don't know how much longer that'll last in our country, because even here in little old Callahan last year, my daughter told me that her history teacher said that Christopher Columbus was indeed a racist. So it's made it to the, to the public schools in Callahan. So anyway, sure. Sure. And in reality, uh, you know, there's uh, there almost anyone from history can be painted with just about any brush people want to paint with. And that's what people do is they, they, uh, they, they vilify and, and whatever makes them, makes them happy. And here's one thing I did want to mention since Monday is, uh, Columbus day. And you may have some friends who tell you, you know, you're wrong. You can't say anything about Columbus. You have to, you have to only give credence to the indigenous peoples. You can't say anything about the Westerners who came to this land, who, uh, you know, who came to this land and, and have built the society that we now live in. You can't, you can't give any credit there. You can only speak well of those who came before, because as we all know, uh, Prior to the Westerners arriving on the shores of the Americas, the people who lived here knew nothing of war. They knew nothing of hatred. They knew nothing of stealing or taking. They were a pure people as the driven snow. They had never done anything wrong. They were absolutely sinless until the Westerners came. Isn't that right, Richard? No, sure. <laughs> it's not right. It's not right at all. And, and you know, it's funny because this last Sunday at church, I was preaching and I talked about how uh, down in Mexico, they have actually discovered towers that were made out of human skulls. And you know where those human skulls came from? They came from human sacrifices that were made. And uh, to say that the people who lived in the Americas prior to the coming of Westerners were absolutely peaceful, there was no war or anything, it's just an absolute lie. It's, a, it's, it's, it's bankrupt history. It's something that people uh, fantasize about. You know, the whole idea of the, the, the everything was so in, in, in this sense of balance with nature and perfect. No, they were warring for the land before we got here. Uh, and when we came, the, when I say we, the Westerners came, there was warring 
that came with us, of course, because there was a clash of civilizations and clashes of civilizations happen all the time. But the and there were some things that our ancestors did that were wrong. And we don't uh, try to uh, whitewash that or say that it wasn't wrong. But at the same time, to simply say that that everything that was going on here was perfect and then we came and destroyed it. That's just an absolute uh reductionist history at best. And it's not true. Uh, in fact, I, I'll mention this. There was a time at church uh, because I made the statement. I said, you know, one of the things that we have to consider, and I said this in a lesson, this wasn't on a podcast or anything. I said this in, in on a Wednesday night lesson. I said, uh, one of the things we have to consider is that had the Westerner Westerners not come to the United States, um, the gospel would not have reached many mm-hmm. of the indigenous people, the, what we typically called Native Americans, the, the gospel wouldn't have reached them. And I had a guy said, well, well, that's okay. They didn't need it. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He says, well, well, certainly they didn't go to hell. And I was like, well, how did they not go to hell? If they didn't have Jesus Christ, how did they not go to hell? Do you believe that somebody who doesn't hear the gospel automatically gets a free pass to heaven? If that's true, bring all the missionaries home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the I, end of Matthew I, means nothing. Absolutely. Go you therefore into all the nations. That means nothing. <laughs> absolutely so, right so you know th- there's were there bad things that happened absolutely should we discount them no but at the same time to say that uh we can't celebrate the the progress that has happened and the things the positive things that have happened and, and of course the spreading of the gospel that has happened uh that would be that would be wrong but that again is sort of off topic. We're, we're sort of moving away from the original topic. And the topic today is patriotism, because again, a lot of the same people who would say can't celebrate Columbus Day would also say that the celebration of anything and everything American is bad. And then there are those in the church who are now saying that patriotism is bad, that we shouldn't celebrate, that we shouldn't be proud to be uh, Americans, or we shouldn't be uh, thankful or blessed uh, that we are Americans. And so that becomes a question of uh, of how do we handle that? And that's really, today we're going to deal with three questions for, for you, the listener, if you want to kind of keep up with what we're talking about. We're talking about three things. The first thing we're going to ask is, should we be ashamed of our country? Should we, should we like many people, have a hatred and disdain for the United States. We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to ask the question, what does the Bible say about the subject of patriotism? How do we, how do we see this from a biblical perspective? And then the third thing is, what about patriotism in worship? Because that is an issue all to itself. So let's begin with the first question. Uh, the question of, should we be ashamed of our country? Richard, if, some, if, if, if somebody, if you were teaching a class and somebody said, you know what, I'm just ashamed of our country, what would what would your first thought be in response to that? Well, first, I want to know why, you know, why would I even ask the question? What makes them ashamed of the country? Because <clears throat> you need some context where they're starting from. So let's say they brought up um, racism because we brought mm-hmm. over, we had slaves, we brought slaves over, we enslaved them for 100 years, 150 years, however long it was um, before there was, they were set free. And seen as human, as people, whatever you want to, however you want to put that. So let's say the reason they're ashamed of the country because of the history of slavery, the history of racism. Okay. I agree with you. We shouldn't have had slaves. Racism is wrong. It's racism goes directly against the gospel because we're to look at each other as made in the image of God. The color of your skin does not change that. Each person whether you're a person of color or you're white or whatever, you're made in the image of God and we're to treat you that way. You're supposed to treat people in that manner. So yes, that was wrong, but that doesn't mean we have to be ashamed of the country as a whole because the way the country was founded and the principles upon what the country was founded with some would say it wasn't founded on Christian principles, but when you read the declaration of independence, you read the constitution, you can see principles of Christian Christianity within that uh, endowed by the creator, you know, language of that uh, sense. They may not necessarily lived up to it very well in some instances, but it was still there. But because like you said, in the, in the intro, we brought the gospel. There's nowhere else in the world where you had the freedom to practice your religion without being persecuted. We know nothing of persecution here. I mean, that's one thing to be very, um, proud of as uh, in a nation is that 
for the Christian standpoint, we have the freedom to worship, to practice our religion, to um, right now witness without being arrested on the side of the road. In some, some places you can be, but there's much in this country to be proud of. No other civilization in history has done what we've done, allowed the freedoms we've allowed, allowed the prosperity to be gained. People have an equal opportunity to become as much as they want to become. It, whereas you look in other places of the world uh, that are third world countries and they can't get their feet off the ground. Whereas we were able to create a system and a government that is not ruled by a king or a tyrant. It's a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, and a constitution that protects that. There's much to be proud of and no reason to hate it because what's the, what's the alternative? Show me, show me where in the world everybody else is fleeing to. No one is trying to get out of America. Most other occasions are trying to get to it. Because why? Because where they live is either um, destitute and third world, or it's an oppressive regime that they want to get away from. And they want to come here. Why? Because it's the land of opportunity. It's the land of the free. We have a system that nourishes right now the ability to become more and to be free and to provide and have the luxury of food on your plate. Things we take advantage of here that other people can't. I remember talking, Mike Rowe talking about this. He said on, uh, on Ben Shapiro's Sunday special, he said, the things we take for granted here, to be able to go to the bathroom and just mash a lever and it just go away. That's something you <laughs> don't get in other countries. Yeah. But we just, it's normal because we have a country where we've, we've evolved and done these things and had innovation. So yes, there's, like you said in the intro, there's not, no nations without sin, no people is without sin, no persons without sin. And we don't overlook that, but we should learn from it. And sure. from what I can and, understand, and we have. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and just to, to add on to what you were saying, because you mentioned about uh, slavery. We, are, uh, we were one of the first to abolish slavery. And we mm -hmm. did abolish slavery in our country. And um, it's no longer a thing. Uh, it is still a thing in many other countries. Slavery right. is still very much alive in many other countries. Today, there are slaves in other countries, but mm -hmm. there's not slaves in the United States. So, uh, again, I, 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 I'm, you, you're right when you say no countries without sin, uh, but we can at the same time, and as, I, as we talked about before the show, we can be proud of our accomplishments without whitewashing our sins. And, and that's, that's the part that it seems like it's either one or the other for some people. It's either you, you have to be everything America's ever done is right. That's not true. Or everything they've ever done is wrong. And that's not true either. And so you have to be able to strike a reasonable balance. Like I would say right now, if, if somebody were to ask me about, if somebody were to say, I'm ashamed of our country. And they say, because we've killed 70 million babies in abortion. Well, yeah, I'm ashamed of that too. I'm absolutely mm -hmm. ashamed that that continues to be a thing and that it continues to exist in this country. And uh, I pray that it is abolished. I don't pray that slavery or, or that abortion lesson. I pray that abortion is abolished because it is a barbaric practice, uh, which is uh, should not be allowed. And it is allowed, as, uh, as I think, is in, 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 in part um, because it is a, a part of of judgment. You know, we, the, we see judgment around us with wicked rulers. And, and I do think we have wicked wickedness in our leadership right now. I think we have corruption in all areas of government um, and, and abortion just as a, a byproduct of that. But again, uh, this goes back to, can we, can we say that, like you said, uh, people are still trying to get here. People are still trying to get to America. Very few people are trying to flee America, but uh, many people are, you know, uh, still trying to swim the Rio Grande. You know, they're trying to get through uh, and, and, and climb walls and uh, go over uh, land and sea to get to this country. So there is, there is certainly some things for which we could say that they're very positive. Um, so with that, we come to the question of patriotism because there is a, 
there, there, this actually was a question and it was a question that was sent into the program many months ago. And I just never got around to it, uh, it because of some other things that were going on and, and we were switching formats and some things. But the question that was asked was, how should the Christian address the issue of patriotism? And, and I think you, is, you would agree with me on Richard that there is a sense in which patriotism can very quickly evolve into idolatry where people are exalting America as if it is the, the idol that they are to worship, the God they are to worship. And, and while we would say America has many, uh, many blessings and many good things, we would certainly not do that. So, so where is the line between patriotism and idolatry? And how do we strike that balance? What what, what are your thoughts on that before I, I have a few thoughts myself, but I'll let you go first. Well, I, uh, and I sent this to you, I <clears throat> looked up the definition of patriotism because as you and I were discussing um, several hours before the program, we brought up nationalism too. And there's a little bit of a difference between the two of them. I would say <clears throat> a long time ago, the two were almost synonymous with one another, but now there's been a, a separation of the two, but patriotism is the quality of being patriotic devotion to and vigorous support for one's country. Okay. I can't see there's anything wrong with being supportive of one's country, especially one like America. And I mean, there's, there's people in Mexico that are very supportive of their country. I mean, every, everybody has an allegiance to something. The problem becomes when it becomes all you're allegiant to. It's your be all to end all. Um, I'm reminded of <clears throat> Philippians where, where you know, uh, Paul says to live in Christ is die is gain. Um, and uh, because the sum total of his life was, was Christ. He didn't want to have any idolatry beyond Christ. Christ is our ultimate focus as a Christian. We're to, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, we do to glorify God. That is what we're to do. So when you get the two mixed, I mean, swapped, and now everything's about America and the whole nine yards, then that's where it becomes idolatry. That's where the line is. There's nothing wrong with, in my opinion, wanting to make sure that, especially when we're, and that's one of the reasons we're talking about this today, especially in the, in the environment we're in right now where rights and freedoms are being eroded very quickly and so forth and so on. There is nothing wrong with the Christian in an effort to protect his neighbor, to love his neighbor, to want to um, defend those rights and freedoms that are part of this country, and it's patriotic to do so. However, when the Christian element becomes the backdrop and all it is is about the, the patriotism, then I, that's where you get into idolatry. You may have a different avenue to go on that, so I'll turn it over to you, and we'll continue from your uh, your thoughts. Well, just interesting. While you were talking, I remembered something that um, I actually said in a sermon, and this was back when I was preaching in Genesis uh, eleven, uh, the story of the Tower of Babel. Uh, I mentioned that when God separated the nations, he sort of, uh, in a sense, by default created nationalism because he, he created the idea that people are now separate and are, and, and have, have a, um, and it was a judgment, of course, it was a judgment because when they were all together, they were trying to do that, which God did not want them to do. When they were all together, they were trying to build a tower to make a name for themselves. Some people believe they were trying to actually get to heaven. And there is some there is some credence to the idea that they were building a porch, which would allow them to essentially be where God is. But that's that that's less important in the text than the idea that they were trying to build a name for themselves. They were doing what God did not want them to do. He wanted them to go out and spread around the world and to uh, be fruitful and multiply. Instead, they stayed in one place, built for themselves this tower to to make a name for themselves. And God said, nope. You're going to divide, and there's going to be different languages, and of course, through that, created different nations. And um, you know, and I said in the sermon, I said God, you know, creates 
nationalism. He creates the idea that there's there's different people groups, and some people might say, "Well, well, well, well you're 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 mis you're mis misidentifying the idea. Nationalism is negative." And I have the I have what you sent me, which says nationalism is a uh, identification with one's own nation and support for its interest, especially to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations. And this is where nationalism takes sort of a negative connotation for mm. many people because they say it's it's not it's not wrong to think highly of your country it's just wrong to think highly of your country in in detriment to another country but at the same time uh is the goal of the united states or is the goal of any other nation uh to to try to unify into some form of one world government and that's the that's what like the united nations is and things like that and we go back to Genesis 11, and when everybody tried to get together and do the same thing, it, it, it brought the judgment of God. So mm-hmm. the idea that there that nations are, are are a positive thing is something that I think a lot of people don't think about. But the difference in the separation of the nations was actually something God did, and He did it so that the people could not come together and 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 essentially be unified in their idolatry. <laughs> that that right. was what was happening. It was it was a unified idolatry, and God said, "Nope." not going to happen. We're going to, we're going to divide. And at least with the division, there's not going to be a unified revolt It'll at least be a divided revolt. And, uh, so that's just, you know, I know that sort of took us a little sideways there, but the idea that, um, the idea that we should somehow, uh, not see nations as being important, I think is, is, is wrong. I think, I think having nations, uh, and, and essentially having separate nations, is actually a part of the, and, and stay with me, listener. I don't don't check out just yet. Is a part of God's re, re, restraining grace, mm-hmm. because if the nations were to unify, and this is what some people believe is going to happen in the end times, is that there's going to be a one world government. But what do they believe? The dispensationalists particularly believe in a one world government coming at the end. But what do they believe is going to happen? It's going to be one world government surrounding the antichrist that's what they believe they because so it's not a one world government that's going to come together and and have peace and kumbaya it's a one world government that's going to come together and lop the heads off of christians this is what you know again it's not exactly mm-hmm. what i hold to as an eschatology but the dispensationalists you know they've been talking about this for years what's the most dangerous thing in the world one world government one world religion one world currency that's the three things if you, i don't know if you I, I know you richard probably remember this back in the 90s especially when when it was all about you know tim LaHaye and the left behind the idea of the 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 uh the, the dispensationalist view and the dispensationalist mm-hmm. view was look out for three things one world government one world religion one world monetary system if and when you get to those three things you have reached the most dangerous precipice right and like I That's said, I may, have take, I, I may have taken us way <laughs> off there, but you get you get my point. We can be American Christians and say it is good that America is not China. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> but given what China is doing, and I think that's where some people, to go back to what you said before of the extremes of America is perfect or America is evil, and that's your only two camps, I think there's a third one. That's kind of got into the mix because <clears throat> because of nationalism and and all that that's come up. Um, there's a kind of a third category, and that's um, it doesn't matter what good America has done. The sins of America means that we need to just abolish all of it and start over. The oh, sins yeah. outweigh the good, so it doesn't matter how good it's you've done. The country's done because of the evils of slavery, even though we corrected it and other things. We had to just burn it down and rebuild on the ashes. Um, I think that's where a lot of people are at. And that's where this nationalism comes in, because what was one of Trump's mottos? America first. When their mind, when they hear America first, they think that means nobody else matters. Well, that's not what he meant. And that's not what America first means. It means America first means we're going to take care of our own. Then we'll help other people. But we need to get our house in order first. And that's actually a biblical concept. What does the Bible tell men to do with their families? Get your house in order. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> you're can't, supposed to keep your house in order. Right. You can't take care of somebody else if you're if if your house is not in order. You you know, and that's a qualification good, for a deacon and a pastor. Right. And a good so, thought on the, to, to add to that thought is the idea of when we consider 
America first, people take issue with that. But if I said from my perspective, um, my household has to come first before, you know, before I pay anybody else's bills, before I feed anybody else's children, before I do anything else, I have to do what is necessary for me and my family first. So anyway, well, that's not a Christian thought. Well, no, it is because the Bible says if I, if I don't take care of my family, I'm worse than an infidel. I'm worse than an unbeliever. And You're an so, athlete, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so there, there is a, um, yeah, it's just interesting when you said that, cause that is that that's the key phrase. A lot of people keyed in on America first. They didn't like that idea, but you know, what, what should it be China first if we're in America? And again, going back to what you said, you're right. Look at what China's doing. Mm-hmm. Think about, you know, I, I've got, a, I've got a bone to pick with China in a lot of ways, because, you know, many people, as my listeners know, my wife worked for a company that was based in China and uh, taught Chinese children. And we have got to see firsthand how China operates in the lives of their, uh, of their citizens. And the things, the things we would not even in America would not even believe the things that are allowed to happen over there because there is no, there's no Democrats and Republicans. There's no two party, which I understand in America, our parties are, are broken, but there's not even a, a semblance of party systems. It's the party. It's the state. It's the, and it's, it's Xi Jinping and that's it. And there's no um, checks and balances to hold him accountable for what he's doing. Period. That's right. And you, and you go to, uh, you know, I remember years ago with the gun control debate, People would always say, well, look at Australia. Look how great Australia is because, you know, they took guns away several years ago and now everybody's, you know, kumbaya, everybody's dancing around, surfing on surfboards and saying, you know, good day, mate, you know, and all this stuff in Australia. But now look what's happened with the advent of COVID. There's no freedom. And what once, what, what once was a penal colony may again become a penal colony. Mm-hmm. Because of the uh, the inability of the people to stand up for themselves, to to have any recourse for their government, so so that's anyway. that, and that goes back to my original comments. There's nothing wrong with having a love for one's country and wanting to preserve uh, the rights and the freedoms that country affords, especially when knowing that those rights and freedoms uh, are what's best for your neighbor. Yeah. And as wanting anybody to, says, go ahead. Well, say, well, like you just said, wanting to preserve the First Amendment, wanting to preserve the Second Amendment, wanting to preserve these things that are have been necessary and will continue to be necessary for the flourishing of a free people. These things are necessary. And um, these are the things that we we celebrate when we, you know, when we think of ourselves as patriots. And I would say. I, I, I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you anyway. I would say I am a patriot in the sense that I, I do love uh, my country and the things on which it was founded and uh, n- not dis- not in any way saying it was perfect, but the, the, the principles upon which it was founded. And I think you would agree with that. Yes. And uh, yeah. again, the line becomes blurring what we're told in, in first John, or maybe it's John, I get them mixed up sometimes, but it says we're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're not citizens ultimately of the United States of America. As no. Christians, we're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. So that should be our first mindedness, gospel proclamation, doing the work of the kingdom. But in doing the work of the kingdom and gospel proclamation, there comes the love your neighbor as yourself. We have to obey that as well. And that's where the patriotism comes in because you're trying to protect your neighbor, especially when a regime is trying to just destroy all the freedoms we have. So there's a line to be drawn and it's a fine line because it's easy to go too far in one other, one area. So you got to keep your focus in the right mindset, but the Christian can be patriotic and it's not going to, there's nothing wrong with that. I can't see anywhere in scripture where that's condemned. And honestly, I don't see a whole lot of like, if you just say point to patriotism in the scriptures, well, it's not really there, <laughs> but well, I, it's interesting. You mentioned the, that. Be, well, I was say, it's interesting. You mentioned that because a lot of people would, a lot of people who are patriotic and try to bring patriotism into their faith often do point to passages that I think are incorrect. And this is sort of goes along with something we talked about before the show, the passages that apply to Israel. 
Mm. It's important. It's important to note Israel is not America and America is not Israel. And I would even say, and this is, uh, you know, don't, don't run away screaming now, but I would even say Israel is not Israel. Now (laughs) I would say the modern state of Israel does not represent the Israel of God. I believe the Israel of God is, is represented in its fulfillment uh, in the church. But again, mm-hmm. my dispensationalist friends all just freaked out and ran in circles and, and started <laughs> get, uh, screaming. Uh, but even still, a lot of people would like quote second Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. That's a promise that was given in the old covenant time to Israel. And a lot of people apply that to America. Mm-hmm. And uh, am I saying that it's wrong to, uh, to humble yourself, to pray and to seek the face of God? No, but we cannot automatically apply the promises of Israel to the United States. And that's what happens with a lot of passages. You talk about citing passages. People will say, well, look at this passage. This is the look at this passage. If it's not about the United States, if it's not about our nation, uh, I think we have to be very careful with that. I think I think throwing out passages that were promises to Old Testament Israel um, that could easily be applied to the church. Um, I think about the seven churches of Revelation. What was the call to many of those churches? It was to return to your first love, to repent, to you know cast out the false teachers. You know the the woman Jezebel who who you know, deceive the people, you know, and that sort of would fall into the category of a more proper application of the second, second Chronicles passage, because it's, it's about what's going on among God's people. And Mm -hmm. as much as, as much as America is, um, the land that I love, uh, America is not the church and America is not Israel. And like you said before, we are citizens of the, the, the kingdom first. And we're citizens of the United States, uh, secondarily or tertiarily, not not even in any way since primarily. And, um, you know, if we any passages that I might cite, if somebody said, well, what passages would address patriotism? I might point to Romans where it says to give honor where honor is due. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's referring to the governing authorities. So we have a certain responsibility to show honor. And that leads to questions of, well, how, how do we show that honor and what, what does it look like? You know, should we say the Pledge of Allegiance? Should we not? There's a debate about that. Um, you know, should we sing the national anthem? All these are questions that people would have. What is, is that showing honor? Or is that not showing honor? Uh, you know, is that, is that putting the state above God? And those are, those are things. And, and again, those are things people have to work out. But, you know, I, like you said, I, I, there's no passage where, Paul says, you know, that he was out singing the, 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 the national anthem of Rome, but there were many times, especially in the narrative of acts where Paul cites his citizenship as a, as a positive thing, you know, when Mm -hmm. he was beaten, he was beaten. And what did he say? Is he can't, you can't, you beat me. I'm a Roman citizen. And then everybody freaked out because wait a minute, we didn't Mm. know. We didn't know. I love that story. Because it's one of the places I go to when people when people ask me, well, how do we respond to government overreach and things like that? I say, well, think about it like this. Um, Paul used the power of the law to his advantage when it when it was needed. You know, he used that advantage. I'm a citizen. Can't. In fact, as far as we know, Paul wasn't crucified. Paul was beheaded. Mm-hmm. Why do we believe Paul was beheaded? Because you didn't, they didn't crucify Roman citizens. They beheaded them because it was considered to be a much more quick and uh, uh, noble form of death. You know, even though I don't, I, I, I don't want to be beheaded, but <laughs> yes, I guess. Given the choice of being beheaded or crucified, I think I'd take beheaded. Yeah. Because yeah, it's over yeah. in a second. Um, sure. Crucifixion takes days in some yeah. cases. Can uh, for sure. So, of course, as big as as big as I am, they'd have to use a few more nails, and it might take <laughs> might not take as as long. But um, but the but the point is, the the passages where Paul references himself as a Roman citizen and that being a positive could be seen as somewhat not necessarily a, a pro patriotic, but at least where he's taking advantage of the benefits of being a part of a country. 
He's he's taking advantage mm-hmm. of being a citizen, and uh, and we can you know we can take advantage of that too. We are we are Americans by birth, and therefore we have certain uh, rights and privileges that are that are ours, and um, and according to the Constitution are inalienable, meaning that they are are not they are not able to be taken or given away. They're ours. They they're mm-hmm. inherent to to us. So that leads me to the the last question we were going to talk about because we talked about patriotism and the Christian. What about patriotism and worship? Um, I, I I know that this is actually a pretty sticky question because there are there's a lot of feeling among people that, like for instance, the whole kneeling during the national anthem thing. Right. People, people, you know, NFL, you know, people boycott the NFL, boycott the NBA, boycott, you know, people that are kneeling because they're saying you're disrespecting the flag that, that people died for that, for the, for what that flag represents and you're disrespecting it. And then they, they, they say, and, and so the church should have, one should have the flag prominently displayed and two should sing songs about that flag and should have sermons about what that flag represents. And I think that's, that's a, that's a problem for me. And I don't know, you know, I think I know what your thoughts are, but, but right away, you know, what, what do you think about that when people demand patriotism in worship? There's no place for it. When we come to, church what are we coming to do worship god and god alone in all of life what is the christian commanded to worship even outside of the church when you're at home who are you supposed to worship god and god alone in uh the ten commandments it says thou shalt have no other gods before me now that doesn't mean like in numerical succession as long as god's first you can have other little gods no before me has the idea of in my presence. Sure. That's what that means. You should have no other gods in my presence. Well, God is everywhere. So if we're to have no other gods, period. He is the one true God. That's who we worship. So when we come together on the Lord's day to worship, I, I don't need to be paying any kind of homage to the American flag or singing American patriotic songs or anything like that. I'm there to worship God, my creator through song, through prayer, through the reading of scripture and through having the word preached to me as my other, my co-Sunday school teacher, Johnny Hallman likes to say to have the devil preached out on me every week. Cause I need it. <laughs> that's just, that's just something he likes to say. But the point is you're there to be, um, to sit under the teaching of the word and to worship God. So there's, that's where it separates for me between patriotism and there's no, blurring the lines for worship period when you come to worship you're coming so yes back in the day you know 30 years ago um we don't have it now but there used to be an american flag up front there's also a christian flag i remember in ra's when i was a kid at the uh at the uh, church there in, in callahan um when RAs, you would pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and you pledge allegiance to the American flag. That was just, you do both as to open up the RA meeting. It was Royal Ambassadors. I don't even know if they still have that. I guess it's they, something uh, else now. But my, my daughter, Hope, went to, uh, it's not RAs, it's um, something. You guys have it at your church now. What's it called? The uh, It's for the Awana's. kids. Awana. Awana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she went to Awana's at, at, a, at a church in Jacksonville. And they did that. They did pledge allegiance to the Christian flag, pledge allegiance to the American to the flag. American flag. Yeah. And, so, uh, and they, and they sang extra verses to Jesus loves me, which I did not even know exist. Did you know there's I extra w- verses? Yes, but I have no idea what they are. <laughs> I knew there was more to it. I was just that. I was, I was stunned. <laughs> I was absolutely stunned because Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me. So that was the one I knew. And then it come up. Jesus loves me when I'm bad, even though it makes him sad. I was like, no, this uh, is, but it's a thing. It's like, if you look it up, it's, 
they didn't invent it. It was the, I'm sorry, off the subject, but, <laughs> but, but no, I don't believe there should be any room for that in, in worship whatsoever. Um, now, if you have an American flag in the back of the sanctuary, am I going to say your church is a her- is full of heresy? No. But if you got, if you're in there telling, if you're preaching sermons about the American flag <laughs> or yeah. patriotism and all, that, okay. Um, first of all, you're, you're adding stuff to the text that ain't there. You gotta be, unless there's a direct application somehow. I mean, like Romans 13. Okay. You can direct that, make application from that to what we as Christians is how we're supposed to act underneath the governing authorities that we have. That's a direct application. But you, like you're talking about having songs and sermons that are centered around like a, like making it a topical thing. No, no, I'm not there to worship the flag or America. I'm there to worship God. So. Yeah. And that's the, I'll give you a couple of thoughts. Cause I, you know, a few years ago, I was uh, visiting a, another church in Jacksonville, not one, not ours, but I was visiting another church. While I was there, um, went into the sanctuary, and I, I was taken aback by all of the representations of America. There were two banners up, you know, the pulpit, and then there were a banner on either side. Both banners were American. Uh, something about America. It was, it was, you know, God bless America and had American flag that looked like it had been maybe, uh, uh, crocheted or stitched by, it was, it was a handmade banner. A lot of churches do that. A lot of ladies make handmade banner, which is fine, but it was, it was, you know, God bless America and silver letters. And then on the other side, it was, you know, uh, something like support our troops or something, but it was both behind the pulpit or behind and beside the pulpit. Then I, I, I began to look around because that so caught my eye. I began to look around and I noticed on the chancel, there were American flags. And then behind me, if I looked in the back, there were several flags. There were state flags and, you know, but, but American flags and you walk up and the, it would, there were little placards and it said, you know, this flag flew over a state capital. So like, this was like an important flag and they had a curio cabinet. In the sanctuary, this was not in the narthex or the foyer or the pastor's office. This was in the sanctuary. It was a curio cabinet, and inside that 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 cabinet, you know, a glass covered cabinet, there was like a bust of Abraham Lincoln, and there was a bust. Yeah, no, I'm not. No joke. There was all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, like a, a small miniature copy of the Constitution, like all this stuff, and it was it it, it almost seemed like. I was like, this is this this church has committed itself to being the 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 America is is what we're going to focus our attention on when we when we come here. And, and again, I'm not going to name the church. I you know I'm not I don't have any people that I you know I'm not tempted to hurt anybody's feelings or anything. But when when I saw that, it really struck me. And, uh, you know, for years, if anybody goes back to my old YouTube videos, they'll see for years, you know, we had an American flag on the chancel at our church. Uh, it was just there, you know, it was just something that was just a part of the, the look. Well, if you, uh, a while back, we decided to re redo our sanctuary and we took our entire chancel out, rebuilt the entire front of the chancel, which is, you know, a lot of people call it stage. I don't like the word stage, but the, the whole front area. And we chose to move the flags because we had them. And again, we've been there for years. We chose to move them to a different location. And that was a decision made by the elders. Uh, and it's they're no longer in the sanctuary. And uh, we did that for the very reason what you just said. When we come in and we're looking at the front, we should see something other than a representation of our country. We should see what the focus of our faith is that we see the the pulpit which holds the word of god we see the cross we see the table which is done in remembrance of christ these are the focal points of worship these are the things that we point to in worship and anybody if anybody wants to if it thinks i'm exaggerating when i say this there are some churches that go so far into the patriotism that it it, it cannot be seen as anything other than idolatry and all you mm-hmm. need to do is look up, you know, just YouTube, Google patriotism, idolatry, 
and and in the churches, and you will see where it's obviously stopped being about Christ and about the gospel, and it's about the exaltation of America. And that is, I think, as you said, it's there's no place for that. Absolutely no, no place. Yeah. The church you just described to me sound like it would be a display on July 4th in a museum or something. You know, no, and, and it's not. It was it, it was there every Sunday, you know, deal. This was how they this is how they saw the, 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 the and again, I think that it's that whole pendulum swinging thing because you have the guys who, you know, who kneel and they say, well, we're not going to kneel. We're going to make everything red, white, and blue. We're going to bleed red, white, and blue. This is going to be who we are. And it's again, it's, it's like brother Andy says at our church, you know, oftentimes the problem is in the ditches. As you go too far to one side, you're in this ditch. You go too far to the mm. other side, you're in this ditch. It's about finding that, that, point where it's the right you know can we be patriotic yes but can we should we allow our patriotism to become idolatry absolutely not and if you don't think people do uh again all all you need to do is spend just a few minutes looking up some videos and you will see what has clearly gone from patriotism to idolatry and And it's not uh, hard and it's not hard to do i mean I've fallen into the, like your Andy said, you got too close to one ditch. I've fallen in the ditch of it before because you see the stuff going around you and it just makes you mad. And you you find yourself, that's all you're talking about. That's all you're posting about on your Facebook and your social media. And it becomes your f- central focus because you know it's wrong. Yeah. But then you have to pull yourself back. And that's one of the reasons we're supposed to gather for worship together with other saints because people can pull you back. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's... That's what the church is about. Hold each other accountable. You got to get pulled back and put your focus back where it's supposed to be. Yes, I can love my country and want to want to see her turn and go in the right direction. But ultimately, it ain't about that. It's about Christ, his kingdom, and I need to remember who I belong to. So it's not it's not America first. It's <laughs> it's Christ first. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's finding that line. And being able to recognize it and and not cross it, and what that requires of the Christian to do, and as to quote the late great R.C. Sproul, you have to be a student of Scripture, which requires work. Mm-hmm. He always used to say, "It's work. It's not easy. It's work." But if you want to filter life through the lens of Scripture, you've actually got to read and study the thing and understand it in its context. So then you can make the right application and know where to draw lines and know where you don't have to draw lines and so forth and so on. That's where I think a part of the problem for the American culture today is, especially the Christian, is they don't know where to draw a line because they don't even know what Scripture says about much less anything. That's right. <laughs> as there's, far as patri- much less patriotism. There's a there's a <clears throat> meme meme going around right now. It's got Joe Biden and and his wife and they're sitting on a couch and she's, she's, she's kind of got her hands like this and doing like this. And he's, he's just sitting there and the meme says they look like televangelists who've never, who've never cracked the Bible a day in their life. And, and that's the, the the sad part is it's not just the televangelists who aren't cracking Bibles. It's many people who call themselves Christians Mm -hmm. who aren't, aren't cracking their Bibles. Well, I think we, uh, I lost you there for a second. You back? Yeah. It, uh, I'm down to 20% power on my, on my phone. So okay, we, we burned about half a battery I had left. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we started. So, well, I've got something written out here and I, I'm going to draw us to a close with this, uh, with this written word, but before I read it, I want to say, Richard, thank you again. Uh, I enjoy our, uh, our banter. I enjoy our friendship. And I think the, listeners enjoy hearing what we have to say on these subjects and want to thank you for being with us today. You're welcome, brother. Anytime you want to do it. All right. So let me finish with what I wrote here. I said, this is some thoughts I had before the program. We can and should be thankful that we live in America. Many of the ideas upon which we were founded were godly ideas and they deserve to be perpetuated. People are still seeking to come here. Many people are still seeking to come here from other lands, and they do so because of our freedoms and our opportunities. 
We should pray for our land. We should pray against the great sins which plague us. We should pray for those who lead us. We should pray that God would grant the blessing of repentance to our leaders and the blessing of the gospel to be preached in our pulpits. We should remember, as Richard said so a few times on today's program, that we are ultimately citizens of God's kingdom. And we should always have far more allegiance to believers in Christ than we do even to our fellow Americans. Because ultimately, if we're ever forced to choose, we have to choose Christ. If we're ever forced to choose, we have to choose his church. And if we're ever forced to choose, we have to choose what's right over what may be American. Ultimately, our patriotism can only go so far. We can be thankful and feel blessed to be in a land with opportunity and blessings and freedoms. But ultimately, we must be more thankful and more uh, feel more blessed that we're part of a kingdom that will never end. Patriotism, patriotism sometimes will also include the rebuking of our nation. And a true patriot will at times have to stand up against his nation when his nation is in the wrong. So I'll end with a quote from G.K. Chesterton. This is in a writing called The Defendant. And this is what he says in regard to the subject of patriotism. He says, quote, my country, right or wrong, is a thing that no patriot would think of saying, except in a desperate case. It is like saying my mother, drunk or sober. No doubt if a decent man's mother took to drink, he would share her troubles to the last. But to talk as if he would be in a state of gay indifference as to whether his mother took to drink or not is certainly not the language of men who know the great mystery. What's he saying there? Well, he's saying, as I said, as patriots, if we are true patriots, then we can exalt the goodness of our nation, but we also call our nation to repentance when it is in sin and when it has fallen into evil. We don't look at any more than we would look at our mother who's fallen into drunkenness and say she's absolutely fine the way she is. We don't look at our nation that's fallen into sin and say it's absolutely fine the way it is. No, we call our nation to repentance. And always remember, it's not America above all. It is Christ above all. Thank you for listening today to Conversations with a Calvinist. I appreciate you listening in with us. And if you have a question or a topic that you'd like us to address in the future, please send it to calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again, and may God bless you. Thank you for listening to Conversations with a Calvinist. If you enjoyed the program, please take a moment to subscribe. And if you have a question you would like us to discuss on a future program, please email us at calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. As you go about your day, remember this. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. All who come to him in repentance and faith will find him to be a perfect Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. May God be with you.